is everyone doing out there? Are you keeping your sanity? Well, this episode of RDTN probably won't help. On this episode, Marty and I review musical chairs from Rio Grande. The guys review Coldest Night from Indie Boards and Cards. The guys also discuss games they can't play until the quarantine is lifted. They also talk about the difference between bandanas and handkerchiefs. I'm starting to be concerned about Marty and Tony's sanity. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 197, Light My Fire. This is Marty. I'm Tony. And we are still in lockdown, Tony. Will we ever get to the point where we just come on this show and go, man, that was great seeing... Okay, actually, we did see each other. We did. We saw each other today for lunch out in the parking lot of Bojangles, and that's the first time we've seen each other in over a month. Is that right? Aside from video chats and on the computer, but personally in person, yes, that is correct. Wow. It's been a long time. I know. My hair's getting long, man. <laughs> I think everybody's hair is getting long. So I opened up the hatch on the back of the pilot and just crawled in there. And we were, I was eating a salad. You went and got a burger from Burger King and was standing outside eating it. It was a good old time. It, it took me back to the when we used to play softball together and we'd nestle up. That's the wrong word. Yeah, that is the wrong term. <laughs> When we would show up at the local gas station, we'd go and get our big old drinks, our big old Slurpees. Not what was that? Uh, big gulps or big gulps? Yeah, yeah. Big and gulps. Seven Eleven. And we would reminisce about how well we played softball that night or didn't play. <laughs> well, well, do you remember what happened later in the years of softball when we got into gaming? And then all of a sudden we would leave the ballpark and it was a place called Renaissance Ballpark. And right around the corner from there was a McDonald's. And we'd go sit there and play a Lord of the Rings card game. And Vanessa, I would get home and Vanessa would go, boy, that was a long game. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Vanessa, it was extra innings. It was crazy. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's getting old. Oh, it got old about three weeks ago. Yeah, the podcast has gotten old after three shows. No, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's gotten old too. People are like, are y'all still doing this? Which, by the way, thank you to everyone who nominated us for a BGG Golden Geek. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what, how many is that in a row, Marty? Six in a row. Woo. So what What my plan is on our uh, BGG Guild page, Yes, I'm going to put the bronze award that we're, gar we're, we're guaranteed. That's, that's something. I'm going to put a time six so i don't have to worry about that but thank you everyone yeah but that, but but all the little bronze awards have little years on them though uh, well you can put x's because here's the thing uh i think uh blue peg peak peg which was also nominated um is this is also their six in a row and we're recording this before the results come out and there's a very good chance they may win so here's the deal tony if they win that means if we can make it next year, we would have the longest running streak of being a bridesmaid. Okay, I'm good. I'm trying to get us to 27. Why 27? 27 dresses, man. I know you've seen that. I have not seen that. You have not watched 27 Dresses? Vanessa has not had you watch 27 Dresses yet? No, I've never even heard of this movie. I've never seen Devil Wears Prada either. Oh, <sighs> Uh, I can't believe you never seen that. But more importantly, thank you for participating. You got yes. on me about doing polls on BGG. Oh, boy. And boy. Oh, boy, I did. And boy, have you gone overboard. Okay. I can't help it. You said do some polls. So I, I was curious about things. I needed to know because I'm missing bowling. 
So what weights people use for bowling balls? I thought that was important. I wanted to level set. What happens if most people don't bowl? Then they don't answer the poll. It's not a hard option. That's fair. Okay. So what weight bowling ball do you use? I, I went to a fingertip 16 pounder. And you? Uh, usually I like a 15. 15? Now, you, of course, don't have a bowling ball, do you? You, you use I what's do not. Uh, whatever I can fit my fingers in at the bowling alley is my bowling ball. Let me tell you, having a personal bowling ball makes a world of difference in your score. I'm sure it does. And then you, to make fun of me, put in a poll about what's your favorite <laughs> letter. Yeah, of the all alphabet. All 26 letters of the alphabet. Which one is your favorite? And we're like, I was surprised, like like J or stuff like that was one of the most popular. I was like, why of all characters? I thought it would be like evenly distributed. It actually was heavily towards like J, I think. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. And, and on the board behind you, J is for jacket. Okay, I know this was, I know this was coming up. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, hey, I set it up and it is 6 p.m. I did all this to get to that alphabet board behind you in your recording studio where Vanessa is helping teach and the time clock. You're learning how to tell time again, aren't you? So let me explain. Vanessa is a teacher. And obviously the classrooms are closed right now. So she's been doing online classes with her students. Well, she had a nice little place set up in the bedroom, which worked really well. She decided she wanted to move it to the basement. So we moved it to the basement and she couldn't make it look good because, I don't know, depth of field issues. I don't know. She just didn't like it. She said, is it okay if I just do it in your room? I went, sure, Vanessa, that is a-okay. That way I can leave a, a camera and uh, the lights and everything set up for you, so it, it's easy to do. So I come in tonight, Tony, to sit down mm -hmm. to record in what has been my little recording studio for a couple of years. And on the wall behind me is all of a sudden all these posters mm -hmm. of alphabets and like, welcome to class. There's a bookshelf over here that appeared out of nowhere that has a teacher nutcracker on it. Mm -hmm. There's There's the clock. I'm like... What happened? I told her, I said, look, I still got to shoot like videos here. I was getting ready to do a video for a uh, talisman for the switch. I can't do that with this hanging on the wall behind me. Yeah, you can. You can do it. People will appreciate it. That, that, that humanizes you. That makes them, re re they, they can relate. Because A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cake, D is for duck, E is for elephant, F oh, is for flag. It's, it's, it's actually, he's doing the post. Yeah. G is for guitar, H is for hat, I is for iguana, J is for jacket, and I do believe K is for not carrot. I have Kite. no idea. Kite. And that's right. as far as I can see, because the clock that helps you learn how to spell time <laughs> with hands is now in my way, which actually is something a lot of generations past us, younger generations, can't do because they don't have hands. They only did digital. But now a lot of watches are back with the hands on their faces. They're still teaching how to tell time with analog clocks. They are. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Cursive? No. That's gone. Analog clock still there. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that. Oh, by the way, in case anybody wants to answer any of those really cool polls that we talked about, go subscribe to our guild at uh, 1589. You never know what's going to pop on there, on there. It might be game related, but it probably won't be. Do you remember what the first poll was that got it started a year and a half ago? I do not. Flavor of Pop-Tart. Really? That was the, that was a good one, too, to kick off the whole mm -hmm. thing. That was a good one. Now, you've been making the video rounds because you're going stir-crazy, and you have appeared recently on two of Chaz's videos. Two. That's correct. I did the little uh, skit with him 
where I was outdoors at his house, and that's mm-hmm. on Paradise Paradise Channel. I think we talked about that last episode. We did. And then he has a game show called, what's it called? Who's What Went Now? Not Who's What Went Where. Who's Playing What Now? Who's Playing What Now? Thank you. That's featured on the Board Game Geek channel. <laughs> he contacts me and says, would you be interested in coming on? I went, well, sure. You've had a lot of cool guests on there. I said, you're kind of working your way down the list, I'm sure. So he gets on. He says, I really appreciate you doing this for me. Everybody else is backed out. What? Yeah. So I was like the... All right, so I know Marty will do it because that's just who he is. He likes to do things and get online. I guess he likes to think he likes to look at himself. So I don't always know I have Marty out there as a crutch in case everybody else passes and I could pull on him. And and I was I was the uh, I was the last straw. No, I'm below you. Well, he doesn't know you have a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So he needs it to look good. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Well, she can come off the wallet there, big boy. Buy me a camera. I'll get on. I'll get out there for you. Well, yeah, we could do that. We could. We could. I mean, it's not like we're going to be traveling to any cons this year. We're going to be saving a lot of money. What's the wrong with 720p? That's a good resolution for me. It was about ten years ago, but yeah. So, so I did that show. That that's correct. Where it was like uh, they give you in the first part of the game show is you're trying to determine what games had the most plays in the previous month, excluding. The top ten games. Uh, how does you keep? How does he keep people from cheating? He doesn't. It's it's honor system, right? I, it is. Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess he he knows the website well enough because he helps out with development and stuff that he can get into the database and he's a whiz with that stuff. So he can run all the analytics. I guess if people figured out how to do it, I didn't. You know, all I did to prep was was like what's been hot in the past. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, whatever's hot in the past that's not on the top 10 now might still be up there somewhere. Well, you had some good logic in some of your guesses. And I didn't understand. And I think that was what was throwing me off. Here you are. He gives you the top 10. And then it's up to you to figure out what was played and get the highest amount of plays. And then he gives money out for that. Correct. One penny for every play logged. You nailed it. I think you got number 11. I got number 11. The lowest I had was 20. See, look at you scoring in the top 20. Well, again, I did some homework. I didn't go cheat. I just went and looked. It's like, well, what's been some hot games previously? And that's that's all. It was like, and then from that, I came in with a list of five. So you actually did your homework better than what we do for this show. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. As someone who was just coming in off the bench, basically, to sub for somebody else, I did my homework. Oh, well, look, look at you. Look at you coming through. You you scored that guy some hard-earned $100 cash, a BGG gift card or whatever. It was 90 dollars. And by the way, they have there's stuff in their geek store super nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got some of the um, plastic trays where you put the little bits and you can put the little cards in to hold up in front of you. Yeah. I like those. And then, of course, uh, the um, little fold-up dice roller bowls. Those are nice. Oh, I need to get some of those. That's a good thing to have. That's because you can just toss those in a bag or whatnot. The last thing I actually bought from there was these custom bags made for a Gaia project where you can basically put all the pieces of the individual races in a bag. And when you open up the box, you, what race you want to play? Just toss them the, the bag. They're a real nice bag with real nice art and everything. Speaking of Gaia Project, how about that Capstone Games? Dude, that just actually came out today. So for those who haven't heard, Capstone Games will now be carrying Terra Mystica and Gaia Project, which was previously carried by Z-Man or published here in the States by Z-Man. And now it's going to be published by Capstone. 
and I contacted Clay Ross, who heads up Capstone. I said, dude, congrats. I don't know if you realize that, but that's probably one of, if not my favorite Euro uh, of all time. And he was excited to hear that and everything. So from what I understand, Tony, I don't think the art is changing because he said, would you be interested in maybe checking it out? I have some Z-Man copies. And I said, well, I, actually, uh, I have Terra Mystica, all of his expansions and Gaia project, but thank you. But it sounds like that the, the new version he comes out with, with his name on the box, nothing inside of it's going to change. So if you already have it, uh, then you're set. But if you're looking for it, and Tony, I believe it's been hard to find in the past. There's been times when people have looked for the game and it's tough to get over here. Now for sure you're going to be able to find it because uh, Capstone makes sure to keep all their warehouses full. And now he's being carried on Miniature Market, which just happened a couple months ago. I don't understand all the dynamics and you know we'd have to have Clay on to explain it to me. But I mean, all the moving and shaking that's going on in the board game industry of this being sold off or this being dumped or this being acquired. I've lost track of it all. So when I thought this was a Z-Man game, but Asmodee had it, I'm confused. So I'm like, Oh, whatever. Clay's got it. People are going to be able to get it and enjoy one of the games that frustrates the pee out of me. Well, that's why I actually pitched to Clay and he, he would like us to do this. So this is not, I don't think it's supposed to come out till later this year. Right. I believe it's, uh, later in the year when he's going to have those two available. When it gets around that time, I thought what would be a really cool scurry report is if all four of us get together, play Terra Mystica, just the base game, play Guy Mystica, the base game, and then compare and contrast the two. Okay. I'll do it. I mean, you know, it's hours of my life I'll never get back, but that's oh. okay. Oh, I forgot. That's right. It's on the list. It was my number one of things, the games that make Tony Grumpy that was featured in episode 196. Now... Marty, one of the things that's going on with this virus that I'm tired of dealing with is the face mask. <laughs> uh-huh. And so one of the things we're having to do is get our employees face masks so that those that are cannot maintain the six feet for under, for, uh, what is it? You got to be six feet apart if you're under six feet and you can't break apart in three minutes, you got to have a face mask on. That's what our company has decided to do. Gotcha. And well, you can't get surgical masks. You can't get 95 respirator masks. And they say, well, let's get some bandanas. So we put in our order for bandanas and our supply chain got it. I got a note from somebody today and said, you know, if you had just done a little bit more research on this, you wouldn't have gotten us our handkerchief. A handkerchief? Yeah, a handkerchief. And I'm like, well, wait a minute now. And I, I took it out and I, or what I still have one in my office and it wraps, it, it's as big as a bandana. So oh, I went okay. out, I went out and I typed up, what's a handkerchief? And I'll look it up. A handkerchief is a bandana. Hold on, hold on stop. Stop. I, I did not know this. Are you, are you saying it's the same size, but it's the same size cloth, but has a different purpose? Well, see, a pocket square yes. versus a handkerchief versus a bandana. I didn't know there's a difference between a pocket square and a handkerchief. Now, the only reason why I looked this up is because, you know, first off, I get you something to protect you from this. And you come back on me and saying you didn't want a handkerchief. Uh, it's, a, it's about the same thing. And I may be wrong and that's fine. But I was like, come on, man. Give me a break. Wait a minute. A handkerchief is a bandana? He's contemplating this. A handkerchief is as big as a bandana. I'm not. Why am I not wrapping my head around this? And it's just the, I guess it's just the use that's the difference between the two. If you put it around your neck, it's our head, it's a bandana. If you stick it in your back pocket and blow snot into it, it's a handkerchief. I guess. I don't know. I never, you know, I was like, they're about the same, but I guess some people feel they're not. But either way, I was like, fine, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And I guess that's when 
I got a little touchy. Oh, here we go. But that's okay. I'm not going to say anything. I've already said something, but I'm not going to say any more about this. I'm going to talk about board games. Wow, you are all over the place tonight. I, you told me to go shotgun. Oh, yeah, I did say. <laughs> I said, told Tony, what order do you want to do this? We shotgun? And he said, we're shotgunning, sir. Here you go. This, this is the shotgun intro right here. Continue, my friend. What What is next? Well, I purchased the Sagrada iOS app. Mm. Have you gotten to play that yet? I have not. I'm waiting on a Switch version. I've been playing Potion Explosion with Donna. She and I you know, sit there and play Potion Explosion all the time on the iOS because, well, first, it's a nice setup. I don't have to deal with the marbles and everything. And I said, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to pick up Sagrada because she really enjoys that game as well. And I've it's asynchronous play. Yep. That's a positive. So I can go online, play, and I've been playing Tox, who is... Really? Scott Morris? There you go been playing Scott Morris. And then, of course, she and I have been playing back and forth. So right now, it's a great implementation, very colorful. I enjoy mm-hmm. what I'm doing. But I do have a few knocks on it, and hopefully they'll fix it here. Okay. So in Sagrada, you have the tooltips, which tell you how you can manipulate the die, change the die. You have to pay. Oh, dang, I forgot what it's called. Maybe favors. I can't remember. I just know that you have to pay a certain amount to be able to use these tool tips that allow you to manipulate the die. Okay. So you see it at the beginning of your round. You know what they are. Like, for instance, flip a die to the opposite face. Okay. Yep. Easy enough. All right. What's the opposite faces of a die always add up to? Six. Wrong. I thought it was. I thought it's a two and a four, a five and a one. A f- it wouldn't work. What's a three and a four? What's a three and a um, three? Three and a six. What is it? I don't know. Seven. Thank you. Seven, not six. Six and a one on the opposite yeah, side. Yeah, Three right. and four, five and two. You're welcome. Thank you. Nice and see, I was saying here We're here to educate. Absolutely right. We are. See, I'm inspired by the posters behind me now that Vanessa has on the wall. It's still 6 p.m. We have not gained any time. <laughs> it's not. A, here, let me adjust it. Hold on a second. What, what time is it now? Here it is 822. Hold on. Does it, does it make alarm sounds? Uh, I don't know if it makes noises or not. That's PM. That's oh look at this. Does it show down here at the bottom? What is I don't understand what the bottom's for. Oh look at that. It actually changes. Oh, okay. See that? that that's cool. All right, yeah. There you there go. Eight twenty two. Thank you. I appreciate that. Every minute I'll move it one one click. So uh, I hope right. you don't. That's a running clock. So when you're playing Sagrada, as you're playing along the tooltips, you can see how some of the scoring options are. What do you have to do to get scored? points at the end of the game. But the tool tips, I have yet to figure out, and Donna's been playing with it, it doesn't tell you what they are. It doesn't remind you as you're progressing through the game. Mm, okay. Okay. So I, if I click on it, it can't say, hey, this will flip it to the opposite side. Do you mm. want to use it? It says, confirm if you want this action. No, I want to know what this action is. So there's no like little way to pull up like a little help guide or anything like that, a glossary or anything like that? For that tool tip, it's just the icon. Okay. And if there is, I have not found it yet. I've been clicking all over the place and haven't uh-huh. found it. So when you're playing asynchronously with someone over multiple days and you're 50 plus years old, you ain't got a chance to remember what the heck that is. <laughs> I was like, I got nothing here. And then it's like, okay, that's fine. At the end of it, it calculates the score for you. Okay. What the heck? Okay, you beat me, but how'd you beat me, babe? What is brrr? 
what was you know that how, sound effect you, you for? You know how, it's a, how scores roll or stuff rolls out? It just rolls through the score. <laughs> and it, uh, and it's totaling up the scores real fast. Oh, I got to buy some really good sound effects. This yeah, you crazy. do. And it totals up all the scores. And at the end, it shows you that your total score and the person you're playing's total score. But there's no way to see how it calculated it except while it's calculating it. And if you're passing oh. and playing. Yeah. And if you're passing and playing and the last person does the last turn. There's the final score. Here. Wait, what happened? How did I? So you, so you can't go back and say, well, here's how my score was calculated for, right. for a particular player. No, you have to go back and actually calculate it yourself and go, oh. okay, this one was this, this one oh, was yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Do you know who, who published the game? Uh, Dire, Dire, what's it, Dire Wolf? Dire Wolf? Yeah. That's interesting because they did um, Raiders of the North Sea, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's tool tips and rules always accessible to you, so I'm surprised that that same sort of thing wasn't here. Is there a... Is there a tutorial for it? Yes, there is a tutorial. Because in the game I'm getting ready to review for the Switch, Talisman does not have a tutorial, and I'm not a happy camper. And that's going to be a big knock, because I've never played Talisman. You can play a game, and it'll give you like little tool tips. Tool tips meaning uh, rules tips, Mm -hmm. or like, you know, here's how this works. And it, I don't know, it just did not work well for me at all. But anyway, so Sagrada. So that hopefully that's maybe easily patchable or something where they can add that later on. Oh, yeah, that and bring up the um, tools to tell you what they are, remind you what they are. Other than those two things, I mean, so you got the final score, I lost, life is good, or better yet, um, you know, the tools, maybe I need, one of the things I have since I have the physical game is I go into the physical game and look for the tool card, the physical card, and I have Mm it, okay, so I can reference it. I will say, beautiful implementation, it's slow to load on the online version, so some things have to happen there. You know, I don't remember Raiders taking this long to load, but it's the dice is there and spins and things like that. But overall, uh, I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad I'm getting to play it. It's a nice break from Potion Explosion with Donna. It does not have the speed that Ascension has that I'm always playing, of course. Right. But that's fine. I've not played against the AI yet, so I don't know how well it's done. I've always just done pass and play with Donna. When it comes for the Switch, I say get it and then... It should be hopefully cross-platform, and then you and yeah. I can get in there and play. Yeah, sound, that sounds good. Yeah, I guess a lot of people are playing, like, trying apps and stuff online and everything like that. I know, Tony, that you and I are kind of tossing around the idea of um, trying out Undaunted on Tabletop Simulator. You don't have Tabletop Simulator yet, but nope. uh, we had talked to uh, David Thompson, who's the uh, designer. I was just looking for something to do, you know, online. And we're going to talk about this later about player counts in games. And I thought, what is a good two-player game that you and I could enjoy? And I think that's that's one of them. And there's a nice uh, mod out there for Undaunted Normandy on Tabletop Simulator. So you and I are maybe going to monkey around with it, play around with it, see if we can get it up and running. Uh, I know there's a little bit of a learning curve for Tabletop simulator that you'll kind of have to get up a little bit but uh it'd be fun to maybe do some of that online and if who knows if it goes well maybe we stream it or something like that if not you know that's that's fine too but yeah i'm, I'm looking to do some other stuff and uh, obviously apps are the way to go that's one of the easiest ways or you know you do like board game arena you caught or whatever like that and be able to pretty much play anything but again it comes to that thing tony where it's like uh, i'd rather play the video game but i don't know that's why maybe undaunted will be different because uh, it's a quick moving game. Um, it'd be just you and I playing as opposed to a big multiplayer game sort of deal. I don't know. 
Yeah, oh, it's a topic we we enjoy the the World War II type thing. We know that David's got other things possibly in the works. Hopefully, I mean, you know, maybe we can also figure out how to get War Chest. Maybe there's a script for that. I was able to get, and he was kind enough. He sent me a copy of Pavlov's House, mm, which okay. was a 2018 uh, release. Yeah. Oh, oh, nice. What's what's the theme of that one? So Pavlov's House was an apartment building where the Russians were fortified and they were um, the Soviets, uh, what was this, uh, seven, 62nd Army. And it was a pivotal battle for Stalingrad in World War II. And he has gone in and I'm just now getting into it to try to really understand the game. One player or two players. So if I, as I learn it, if we ever get to see each other again. <laughs> okay. Because this is not a game that we can play in the back of the Honda Pilot. It's just okay. not going to happen. Unless you won't sit there for two hours. Uh, no, let, let, let's not do that. Okay. So basically, it's the Soviet Army is defending this fortified apartment against the Germans. And it was kind of one of those turning points in the war. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm looking forward to playing that. I'm excited about it. And then, you know, it's, it's David Thompson. Come on. Yeah, he is. Uh, they, you know, it's already been announced. Undaunted North Africa is coming out. And he mm-hmm. said that they are they are progressing, off, you know, pretty quickly in that. Maybe there's some chance. Maybe he could tease that force a little bit and let us know what kind of new mechanics are possibly coming in that game. But I just thought it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Undaunted Normandy has this whole campaign scenario. And, you know, when we get together, we're doing so many different things. Playing through that scenario may be tough, but I thought maybe online we, we could actually do it, you know, where we sit down and try to actually play through the different scenarios that Undaunted Normandy presents. And the uh, there's a mod on Tabletop Simulator that will automatically uh, set up the scenario for you. It has all the scenarios. You pick which one you want to do. It sets up the map, puts all the pieces out, gives each person their deck of cards, and you're off and running. Because of what you've told me about Tabletop Simulator... That is worth its weight in gold. Yes, 100%. 100%. Because I've been through games where there you do have to manually set things up and move things around and shuffle cards. I, I, I just couldn't imagine it. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to try that hopefully sometime soon. Yeah. And I mean, David's sitting on all cylinders. He's got another one that's coming out. It's over at Miniature Market if you're interested. It's called For What Remains. Um, it's being advertised there. This is yep. one of his games. This was his game. His, his what, what's the term I'm looking for? Where you put your whole life into it. Well, I don't know exactly uh, that marriage. Marriage. That's a good one. This is his <laughs> marriage game. This this is his um, game that he just he's been working on and working on. All right, that's over there. I'm excited about that one too. Getting a copy of that, a, a skirmish level war game. And you know what? Right before this, all this went down, I got a chance to play Europe uh, Divided with Nate. Ooh. I want to play Europe Divided with you and see what you think. Oh, yeah. That's the Twilight game. Yeah. I, well, it's it reminds you of Twilight Struggle because of the theme and everything. But I mean, there's some similarities. But yes, yeah, I would definitely want to do that with you. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, the uh, the whole gaming online thing is just just absolutely... I don't know. Even, even my son, my youngest son, who really isn't into board games and mainly into video games, Brett. Uh, I walked by the the computer the other day. He's got the Pathfinder 2nd Edition book sitting out there, and he's on his friends on Discord. Mm-hmm. And he has like a character sheet on the screen. I'm like, I was getting kind of excited. It's like, well, what's going on over here? So, oh, I'm, I'm teaching my friends how to play Pathfinder, and I'm going to GM a game. Tears of joy just streamed down my face. <laughs> it makes me so happy. So he's working out with his friends who, who have never played an RPG before. 
to get all their characters set up and they're going to sit there and play uh, Pathfinder. So I took a picture of it and shared it online and Paizo picked it up and retweeted it. Paizo is the publisher of Pathfinder. And then a, a person uh, reached out to me from a company called Eldritch Dream Games who makes third party scenarios for Pathfinder second edition. And he said, Hey, I saw your son uh, that was uh, playing. He said, I'd like to offer some of my third party stuff. It's like some, some new monsters and some new characters and stuff. And uh, it's on drive through RPG. So he gave me some free content that he's created to share with my son. So I'm getting those going to share that over with him. So I thought that was really cool. This person to reach out and say, here's some additional content. If he wants to use it. And uh, he's got a lot of stuff out there or they have a lot of stuff out there. It's um, it's Eldritch dream games. And if you go over to drive through RPG, search for Eldritch dream games, and you can see all the supplements that they have. Yeah, Tony, I guess, I don't know if you know this, you know, there's this whole big market out there for just third party content for games like Pathfinder and, uh, you know, D&D. Oh, yeah, 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 I knew that. And the reason why I knew that is I, when I was looking to um, do the Lord of the Rings for our backers, Yeah, I was thinking, okay, there's got to be third party content out there because there's D&D third party content that you can get. And I mean, these one shot. And I'm like, you know, if I was industrious, if I was really motivated, I would do one, but I'm not. So I'm not. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Uh, Let's be honest. Let's I'm at the age now where I can be honest with myself and say, Hey, you have no ambition, drive, motivation, whatever (laughs) motivation to to go write one of these. It's not like you will make money. You've been doing this podcast for so long. Oh my gosh. It's all about making money. Is it all about the mighty dollar to you? No, it's not. It's about having fun. It's about enjoying good times with people. But while I'm in this shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, it'd be nice to have a little extra cash rolling in. I got time, don't I? That wouldn't hurt. You know, you mentioned the Lord of the Rings. Uh, Since uh, our last recording, we finished up the session. And Tony, you did a fantastic job. Thank you. Uh, We got through three sessions with uh, three different groups of people. I think they all had fun and everything. And, you know, that's one of those, uh, there's a lot of systems out there, Lord of the Rings being one of them that's based on existing systems like this one's based off D&D 5e and I think it's one of those things too when a system is based off an existing known system it's easier even though the whole settings or everything are different and there's a little bit of twist it's just easier instead of teach a whole brand new system to people when they come in oh I agree and it also helps out the GM uh yeah big time which is why I was also excited there's uh Sandy Peterson Games um, had reached out to us about a brand new uh, game that they have coming out uh, called Planet Apocalypse, I believe is is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And this is a co-op game where the the players battle and kill demons as a team. No, I'm not reading this. Really, the game is you know is primarily <laughs> a battle game, but also has a tower defense element and a role playing element as you build up your heroes over time. Yeah, don't don't read the next line. That's the name of the show that you've already. Used. <laughs> I actually put that there to remind myself. No, that that has some really cool uh, sounding stuff in it, right? We we like our co op games. We reached out to our our game group. We said, yeah, we'd be interested in that. The tower defense, I'm super interested in. I believe Tony, you're going to be getting a copy of that. So at some point in time in the future, we can get back together and try. I guess since it's co op, you could at least play single player to learn the the rules before we get together mm-hmm. to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to pick the easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> But the reason why I brought that up is Sandy Peterson Games also has a whole series of role-playing games called uh, Cthulhu Mythos. And he has one based on 
D&D 5e and one based on Pathfinder First Edition. And today I just got a copy of the Cthulhu Mythos D&D 5e. If anybody likes the Lovecraft universe, this thing is a sweet book with all these monsters and races and stuff that's in the book that's all built on Lovecraftian lore that you can use in your D&D games or just run a Lovecraftian game based on D&D rules. They offer that for Pathfinder First Edition, but they're going to be coming out with the second edition uh, at some point in time too. So I'm getting Adam. I took the book and I said, I present this to you, Adam. Ooh, and he starts reading. I went, ha, 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 ha. You don't know it, but you're coming on the show in a couple of weeks to tell us about this book. So, <laughs> Did you really laugh like that with him? It was more of like of a ma-ha-ha-ha, like an evil laugh. But yeah, no, actually, I was reading through the book too, but he took it from my hands. He said, I, I want to go check this out. And last thing before I forget, I told you about this day. I did not realize this. So Sandra Peterson of Sandra Peterson Games. Wait a minute. You said it in Sandra, as in Sandra D, or is it Sandy? Sandy. Did I say Sandra? You said Sandra. I'm calling you out, Sandra. Woo. Sandy Peterson of Sandy Peterson Games is the Sandy Peterson who helped design Doom with id, uh, the software developer mm-hmm. id back in the 90s. Mm. He did Doom 2. Mm. He did Age of Empires 1 and 2 that you and I played. Mm-hmm. I had no clue that it was the same person. I'm sitting there. I, I guess those two worlds are separate to me. It's like, why would they ever cross over? But here's this developer who worked on these high, high profile video games that's now a board game publisher and RPG publisher. Well, I mean, we've already had, we've already crossed streams here. You know, the flux, whatever that thing was called on Ghostbusters, it's the flux capacity. If you said flux capacitor, that is two totally different movies. I know. Back to the future, yada, yada, yada. Okay, good. You did know that. All right. Okay. So, but didn't the CEO of the Broken Token, didn't he work for Sony? He did. He worked for EverQuest. He he worked in the EverQuest game. I can't remember which one. It may have been the EverQuest 2. Anyway, regardless. Yes, uh, he did. Greg. So there, the streams have uh, crossed one another. And you know that Richard Hamm, you know, Rado, he used to develop video games. He was a video game developer. Which is something you could have been doing with your spare time while we were in lockdown. I could have been writing RPG one-shots and you could have been doing video games. Yeah, I think I'd rather write a one-shot. I, I would actually have a chance of finishing that. Oh, well, you know what, Marty? What's that? My shotgun's empty. I need to reload. <laughs> your, your double barrel, you've, you have to reload now? I'm not going to use a term that's often nasty, so we're not going to go with that. I have no idea what you're referring to, but okay. Thank you. Why don't we just take our first commercial break? While we are in lockdown and Marty and I have been talking about our video games we've been playing, I want to point out something very important. Portal has Tides of Time. It can be downloaded as well. That's right, at your Google Play Store, App Store. But Tides of Time, one of our favorite two-player games for Marty and I, enjoyed it a lot. And on its heels, right behind, coming soon, to a tablet or device of your choice, but not to the Switch. Oh, 
I know. That's, that's heartbreaking, isn't it, Marty? Yeah. Imperial settlers rolling right. That's right, Ignacy's been teasing the Imperial settlers rolling right. I'm very excited for this one. Ooh, that one's going to be downloaded quick and then put on the phone because you know what? While you're sitting on that conference call or that Zoom meeting and it looks like you're looking down at the notes, <laughs> you're actually playing an, an app. That's right. So, Ignacy, hurry up and get that on my phone so I'll have something to do over the next few weeks while we work our way back into the office. That's PortalGamesUS.com. <laughs> What's that? that was a weird way to end the sentence. Dot com. Usually it's like, you know, dot com. Oh, okay. <laughs> Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Marty and I finally got to play a game together. We kept our social distance. We kept six feet apart. And that was The Coldest Night. This game is from publisher Indie Boards and Cards, designed by Brian Bergon. The Coldest Night, and Marty, I'm not reading this from BGG, is a cooperative strategy (laughs) card game where players feed fuel into a fire to keep it lit because this home that you are in is getting real cold and you're going to die if the fire goes out. So you have got to constantly feed the fire to keep the cold away or you will freeze to death. Players must work together against the encroaching cold to sequence their cards so everything in the deck can be burned. And that's how you win. You got to get to the end of it. In this game, Marty, there are the cards have two values on them. They have a heat value and an ash value. Mm -hmm. And that is probably one of the hardest things to understand about this game because one of the first phases you check for frostbite to get rid of a bad effect. The next phase is to either play a card to the fire or scavenge for more stuff to burn in the house. And in order to play a card to the pit, you have to have a heat value in the pit greater than the ash value. Yeah, it did take me a while to get onto that. But like you said, it was like one of those things. You remember, whatever thing you're getting ready to throw in the fire, and all these cards are different things. It's it's newspapers, it's blankets and stuff. It's just different kindling that you can use to feed the fire. And you can have up to four cards in the fire pit. And at the end of every turn, one of those are going to rotate out. So you're trying to keep it up to four cards. But the, because of that rule of the ash card that you play must be less than the total heat value. If you don't happen to have one of those, you can do the scavenge where you draw three cards and you can pass those around to the different players. It plays like one to four players, but you don't get to play a card in the fire pit that time. So then it goes down to three cards. And you mentioned the frostbite cards. So if you ever get down to two cards or less, then you must take a frostbite card, which is something, a persistent negative thing that's going to be going on to you during the game. Yeah. So that cleanup phase where you talk about removing the farthest right card and then you go, okay, check for frostbite and then draw a kindling card. Some of those frostbite cards keep you from pulling a kindling card, which can yep. really hurt you, which can just, it just spirals out of control. But there is a way to get rid of the card. This is kind of interesting too, because mm-hmm. if ever at the beginning of your turn, you mentioned about check if you can get rid of frostbite, if the total value of the heat that's in the pit equals the frostbite value on the frostbite card, you get to discard it. So that's nothing co-opy you're trying to do. It's like, we just doing that today. It's like, man, he has a value of five there. If I can just get the heat value to five, he can get rid of that frostbite card. In the deck, there are three cards seated that the fire is burning low and they have zero heat, zero ash, and they automatically get added to the pit. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there, okay, that's not going to help you at all. And it's just one of those things to slow you down a little bit. Like today, 
uh, from a theme standpoint, I had to burn a teddy bear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It provided only one heat value, but seven ash. All that fluff could put out the fire. So uh, from that type of theme, some of the objects on the card made kind of sense, you know? Yep. And it's one of those things too, that again, the whole goal is you must play every card to win the game. Mm -hmm. Even once you run out of the cards in the deck, each of you must play the rest of your cards in your hand to survive the night. The fire must keep going until you've exhausted every single card. And that's the only way to win, which is making it tough when you got, like you said, that teddy bear, but also some cards have negative benefits. Like there was one card when I played it, the values were decent on it, it was decent heat, but you had to discard two cards at the end of the turn. And then some cards give you boons they give you like some extra heat that you can toss into the fire they allow you to maybe draw an extra card or something so there's these little bonuses that you might get during the game too that you can strategically use and some of those bonuses require like you gotta have a heat value of nine plus however if you play that card it's got great heat value no ash but it's very hard to get to and you're kind of like holding on to that and man it's it, it makes some tough choices there i really enjoy the game it's a lot lighter than grizzled by by any stretch of the imagination. I've yet to even get close to winning this game, Marty. A matter mm -hmm. of fact, Donna even said, don't ever play this game with me again because I felt hopeless in it. You mentioned Grizzled. I think that's a good comparison because in Grizzled, you know, everybody has a hand of cards that they're playing out into the middle of the table to try to achieve some goal. And it's kind of the same thing here. It's probably lighter. Once you get over the hump of like remembering, all right, your ash value must be total than your heat. And I know that seems straightforward, but I kept getting screwed up on that. So this is one of those games that I you you handed over to me after we sanitized it, and we're gonna, I'm going to toss it in front of Vanessa and uh, see what she thinks of it. But it, it is a tough little co-op game. Fast game, plays in under 20 minutes. You can teach in under five minutes. That is the coldest night from Indie Boards and Cards. Check for it at miniaturemarket.com. Five-minute initiative is complete. Vanessa is joining me again for a review of a game that we've been playing as a family called Musical Chairs. This is designed by Kelly North Adams from Rio Grande Games. Now, before we get to this game, Vanessa, yes. I assumed as a child or in your teenage years, you played Musical Chairs. <laughs> in teenage years. Yes, I did. I played oh. Musical Chairs. I played Musical Chairs and I was like a a counselor, I guess, at a camp, and I would teach musical chairs also. So I said playing as a team because I remember playing in like youth groups and stuff like that. And musical chairs was a brutal, violent game once you got into your teen years. Uh, you are right about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess probably most people know what musical chairs is, but it's one of those where you have a, a circle of chairs. There's one less chair than the number of people that's around it. And music is played, and you walk around the chairs clockwise or counterclockwise, whichever way it is. And when the music stops, you got to sit on a chair. Somebody's going to be left out. If they're left out, they're knocked out of the game. You remove one chair and you keep going until there's two left. Uh huh. Uh huh. And so what's happened is uh, designer Kelly North Adams has said, you know what? That was a really fun game as a kid. Can I come up with a similar type feeling board game based around musical chairs and even though it doesn't involve music or anything like that it does create a little tension that you had when playing musical chairs it really really did i know when you first got it and we read it we were like how can that even give you that feeling right and the first time we played it like halfway through we started feeling that i was like oh i gotta hurry up i want to get him out of the way i want to move him out of the way and then tonight the first time we played it we played it with two players mm -hmm. 
Tonight we played it with three players, Mm -hmm. and it really upped that feeling a lot. I like it more with more players because it's more frantic, like the actual game. Yeah, you you do have a frantic feeling of, I need to hurry and get to a spot. I need to hurry. But, Marty, I think it's time to tell everyone exactly what we mean by this. Okay, sure. So, uh, in the middle of the table is this really nice board with eight different color chairs around it. And let me stop you right there because, first of all, it is so clever the way it was designed and you missed this the first time we played it and I was just awestruck by it the chairs are musical instruments and the the art is so clever in how they made the instrument into the chair for instance the drum there is a snare drum which is the bass that you would sit on and then the back of the chair are the drum sticks oh, and yeah. each one is very clever like there is a xylophone chair mm-hmm. and my mind is gone blank what do you call the xylophone uh, sticks uh, <laughs> oh my goodness why did you say that i know now Hammers, we're going to have to look that up mallets mallets thank you and then the mallets are the back of the chair very very clever the colors are bright and catching um i love it i only have an issue with two colors because uh you also have a deck of cards and you have uh 10 of each color card and they're ranked one from 10 when I said colors, okay, there's I'm a tan guess. and there's oh, a black. Yeah. I was going to guess at which colors you didn't like, but yes, yeah. And mm-hmm. the only reason why is because sometimes you look at the cards and go, wait a minute, is that light black or dark tan sort of deal? So there were two that kind of got to us, but the rest of them are, are very bright and everything. And when we first read the rules to this game, I must say that when I read the steps that you take on your turn, it sounded... Somewhat confusing. I'm going to share with everyone a family secret. Well, it's no secret that I love Christmas. and (laughs) I have no idea where this is going. Well, and every year we have very traditional movies that we watch. And in The Grinch, there is a phrase... And we say it all the time when we're a little bit confused. Holiday who be whaty? Holiday who be whaty? So when we read these rules, it was a little bit of holiday who be whaty. Yeah. So just let me read the rule real quick and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. So whoever is the first player plays the lowest card in their hand. Easy. And then they can move clockwise one to three spaces on the board. Every time you play a card, you move one to three spaces. The next player may... Play a card of the same value as the one just played. So if a three was played, you can play a three. Mm -hmm. They may play a rest card. I'll explain what that is in a second. They may play a repeat card. I'll explain what that is in a second. (laughs) If a player does not have or does not want to play a card that fits the options listed above, they must play the lowest card in their hand that is higher than the card just played. Now, when we read that, you were not like, read that again. No, we meant read that again. But here's the thing. If a player cannot play a higher card on their turn and chooses not to play a rest repeat of the same value, then the music just stops. Mm-hmm. And so that's all the options that you have. So let's go back to that one really confusing sentence. Let's say, Vanessa, you just played a four. Okay. Okay. So on my turn, I can play a four. No problem. I can okay. play a rest. Rest just goes into my discard pile. It just keeps me from moving around the board. There's sometimes it's like, I really like the chair I'm in front of. I want to stay here. Mm-hmm. Repeat, you play the card on the table. You play the cards on the line on the table, and it repeats the, the value and the color of the card that was just played. Okay. The thing is, if you want to play something else, let's read it again. They must play the lowest card in their hand that is higher than the card just played. So if a four was played... And I have in my hand seven, nine, and ten. 
-hmm. My only option, I have to play the seven. And then as you understand that, you go, but why? why? Why would I ever want to do that? Because the higher value cards are worth more points. And the goal of this game is, is whenever the music stops, whatever color chair you're in front of, you get all those matching colors of the cards that were just played and the higher value cards have more points and that's what you're going for. Yes, that is where that anticipation of I want to get to another color comes in. Oh, you mean another color of chair? Yeah, yeah, another yes. color of chair. Yeah. yeah, and so especially like if, if you have a card in your hand, it's like, ooh, I can play this green and I'm in within three spaces of a green, so I'm going to play the green and move over there. And then on your turn, you come back to you, it's like, cool, I'm going to stop the music. And then you're going to be in front of the green and get that one that you just played. But the, a lot of the strategy is, is what if I play a green and you can get to that card, which is a worth maybe some points, and I can't. So that's where some of the strategy comes in. It's like, you got to look at where everybody else are positioned mm-hmm. on the board. It's like, if I'm going to play something, will that help them because they'll be able to position themselves in front of that chair? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think too much about, Oh, I wonder what the other one's going to do. I look at the colors and I try to play something that when I plan how many spaces I'm going to move, either one, two or three, that I will stop in front of a chair that I have a color out on the table. With a three player game, it really got hectic because as we were going around the board, as more cards got out on the table, it's like, wow, there's three blues out there. I really tried to need to get over there and position myself in front of the blue, but man, Adam's right there. He might can get in front of the blue. Or there'd be times where it's like, ooh, I got to the blue, sweet. And then Vanessa comes up to me and like, oh, she stopped on the blue too. So if the music stops, then we're fighting over the blue chair. And remember in the real musical chairs, when you were in front of the same chair, basically what oh, you end yes, up I doing do. is called the butt battle. <laughs> and that's exactly what that is in this game. If you're ever in front, when the music stops, if you're from the same color chair, then each of you play a card from your hand secretly. Whichever one is the highest basically gets that chair. And butts the person out of the way. And that happened a lot tonight with three players. I think we had three butt battles. And how many times did you tie on the first card? Several Two times. Two or three. I can't remember. If you yeah. play the same card, you keep going. You can choose not to. You can just say, I'm not going to play a card. You can have it. Mm-hmm. But then probably the higher cards that you're playing are going to the discard pile, which means that's points you're giving up potentially in the future. That's true. That's true. And I want to say something about the cards here. Another thing that I like about this game is you're dealt eight cards. And after each round, and I'll let you tell them how a round ends mm-hmm. after after this. So once we finish a round, you have the choice. You can turn in all the cards you have left and get eight new ones, or you can just build your deck back up to eight cards. So say if you have four left, then you get four more until you back up to eight. And I like that choice of just getting rid of your whole hand, because I did that often. And also when the round ends, so at at the very end, whatever chair you're in front of, you collect those cards, you put them in your discard pile as those will Mm -hmm. score points at the end. But at the very beginning of the game, Mm -hmm. there is a seat cushion that's randomly put on each of the chairs. And there's a bunch of little seat cushions. These seat cushions are little tokens that you can use over the course of the game that actually help you out. Whoever stops the music and they're in front of a chair that has a seat cushion, they pull the cushion off the board and put it right in front of it. And then they have the choice. Wait a second. And that's how the round ends. Yes, Whenever that indica- the music stops and a seat cushion is removed, 
That's when a round ends, and then the game ends when all seat cushions are gone. That's right. They're pulled off the chair. They haven't got to be claimed. But you can claim a seat cushion if it's off the chair by right. discarding one card from your discard pile, and you get this little token in front of you. Some of these are really good. You had a good one night. said for every different color chair that you had, you mm -hmm. got a bonus point. Yep, and I just happened at the end of the game to have, out of eight colors, I had seven. Yep, and I had one that said, at the end of every round, take the top card of the draw deck and put it in your discard pile. And that's just a free point potentially yeah yeah so there's all so then not only you're fighting over the cards that are in play you might want to fight over this token the seat cushion that you can put in front of you that permanently stays in the, in the game for the rest of the game and each of them are worth typically one or two points just by themselves mm -hmm. plus whatever the ability is mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of different seat cushions which adds variability to the game and when i said that's when the round ended and then the game when all the seat cushions were removed it doesn't mean that eight rounds and the game is over because you might stop the game in front of a chair where the cushion was already moved oh wait a minute no but then it goes back around it goes to the nearest if you happen to stop in front of a chair that a cushion's already removed it yeah. goes clockwise to the next yeah. one that hasn't yeah. been removed yeah. that's that right. way there's that's always right. one that's removed right. every yeah. round and yeah. then that again that's the kind of the, the counter too yeah. so after eight yeah. rounds yeah. that's how so it, it is ends. eight rounds and then after eight rounds you're going to count up all the cards in your discard pile the uh the victory points are little trouble clefts at the bottom of the card which is cute very very clever count all those plus any any uh, points you get off your seat cushions the person mm -hmm. with the most point wins and the first player token is little conductor hands <laughs> that's just right. lots of Lots of just thought and you can see it out. It's a really, really fun game. And I forgot to mention one other thing. There, there's a lot of these little rules that you, as you read the rule book, it's like, why would you want to do that? When you claim cards at the, after the music is stopped, if you have any cards in your hand that's lower than your highest oh, card of yes. the suit played, you also get to claim those as mm -hmm. victory points. So let's say, mm -hmm. for example, I claim the blues and the highest card of the, the ones that were played was a nine. If I have anything less than a nine in my hand, I get to move that to my scoring pile too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, well, I just want high cards only in my hand. Right. If you have some low cards, if you just have to be in front of the right chair at the end of the round, you can score those points too. That's right. That's so right. It's really cool that the more we play, the first game we went, I not really wrapping my hand around it. Then we played again with three people. You didn't people. wrap your hand around it? I didn't wrap it? my hand around like wow. I'm holding the microphone yeah, You right can. Now. You can pick it up just like here. Look. Wrap your hand around it. Didn't wrap my head around there the strategy of it. <laughs> In fact, I remember tonight I was sitting there staring at my hand. It's like, Marty, it's your turn. Marty, it's your turn. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't know what to do. And I had actually had AP in this game. <laughs> he did. Because either way I moved, the best, the sweetest spots y'all were in front of, and I didn't want to do a butt battle with you, so I was <laughs> trying to find another chair that I could go to. Yeah, that's absolutely right, because with every round, everyone can score. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mention that. The yeah. person who stops the, the music isn't the only one who scores. Yeah. Everybody scores. You may have picked up on that, but whatever chair you're in front of, mm -hmm. you get to score those points. Mm -hmm. and, and so a lot of us positioning yourself. And like you said, if you think that you're getting to the end of the round and you're in front of a sweet chair, well, that's why you hold those rests in your hand and you play those and then you haven't got to move in hopes that the music does stop. Yeah. And again, like the real game, you know how when you felt like you do the music getting ready to stop and you kind of slowed up in front of a chair <laughs> as you were going around because yeah. you want to make sure you grab yeah. one. Yeah. Same yeah. sort of thing here. And I remember reading uh, on, on Twitter or an article that uh, Kelly North Adams wrote that her goal was try to achieve the closest thing that she could to that feeling of playing musical chairs. And now that we've played it a few times, I think she's done a really good job with that. Oh, I do too. I absolutely agree. We've had a lot of fun playing it. Yep. It plays up to four players. I do think 
playing with more than two is fun because it yes. makes it more chaotic, yes. which yes. is the, the yep. beauty of the game. Mm-hmm. I'd love to try four sometime. I think that would just yeah, be insane. Um, this is, again, out uh, now from Rio Grande Games. Musical Chairs is a really good family game. You do have to kind of wrap your mind around what you do on your turn, what you can play, what's legal and stuff like that. But once you got it and then you see the strategy behind those rules, it's a solid little family game. Plays in like 30 minutes. Easy to set up. I like it. I like it too. We stress over and over again about the fact that you probably want to subscribe to the Miniature Market newsletter so that you can get all the daily deals and everything that's going on. But it's not just daily deals. Every day it seems to be there's new products arriving and it's something that's hot that's going to come in is at the very top of their page is something that you might want to order. For example, uh, today it's King of Tokyo Dark Edition, which is a brand new arrival. It looks really cool. It's King of Tokyo, but a lot darker feel and everything with the monsters and everything. But constantly they're coming in with new stuff. And on their front page, they even list what the new arrivals are at that time. So if you want to stay on top of what's coming out, because even though things are a little crazy right now, new games are constantly being released. They're constantly running deals. To find out more, head over to miniaturemarket.com. That's .com. (laughs) So, Marty, another Rolling Dice and Taking Name show is coming to an end. And Okay, settle down, people. Stop clapping. One of the things I want to tease is that bicycle games, they're getting in bicycle who you know for the cards, bicycle cards, 52 mm-hmm. card decks. Actually, it's 54 if you count the jokers. And if you oh also then add in the three advertisement cards that you can find in most packs now. So there's 57 cards in a bicycle deck. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Is that too much knowledge? Is that TMI? It's, it's too much something. So the shotgun is reloaded, baby, and here she comes. Here we go. (laughs) So Bicycle has two games coming out called The Alpha and Exchange. And these are very lighthearted. You'll find them at Target. The Exchange is about stock markets. You've got three simple steps, Marty. You've got select a security, buy or sell, influence the market. This is my type of game. It's simple. I just read you the rules right there on the back. Oh, I got it. Yeah, I got it. I'm excited about this. And I'm like, holy cow, I can't wait to play this with Marty. It's a stock market game that plays in 35 minutes. It's no city of the big shoulders, but it's 35 minutes. It's right there in my wheelhouse, man. What, what can I say? And then the next game is Alpha, which plays in approximately 45 minutes. And you are a wolf pack. I had to pick this up for obvious reasons. But for oh, those of who, course, yes, I, as we are wolf packers from NC State. And you are a team of coyotes. Okay. That was the other poll. Squirrel. What's your favorite Looney Tunes character? Oh, mine is easily Wiley Coyote. What's yours? Wiley Coyote. Really? I didn't know that. We had the same. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Did you see that HBO Max is relaunching a brand new Looney Tunes? And I'm very skeptical, but hopeful. Yes, I saw that when you posted that in our Slack channel. Yes, I saw that. And I don't have HBO Max, so I need your password. I don't have it either. So I don't know how I'm going to see it. I guess I have to wait for it to come out in some other uh, way. And I find that, you know, as over time, they got rid of a lot, especially the Roadrunner Wally Cody, him getting blown up, getting hit by boulders, that kind of stuff got removed. The violence got removed. Well, but that was teased in the trailer. 
Well, that's good enough for me. That's what I'm saying. Because I was thinking, oh, they're going to water this down and not have any violence. It's like, no, there's some explosion stuff going on in there, which sounds really weird, I know. But that was part of the humor of the cartoons, of the silly things that happened to them. It's a cartoon. And why would anybody think that you can put dynamite under a boulder and blow it up and then land on top of you? I don't know. He's still a super genius. I have a t-shirt that says Wally Coyote super genius. Ah, uh, it's one of my favorites. So anyway, back to what I was talking about. Bicycle Games, the alpha is about you're leading a wolf pack out to do some hunting and you're rolling some dice to see who could survive. I'm excited to get that. Now, here's the problem though, Marty. It plays with three to six players. And you often hear me talk about how, you know, it's hard for me to find games that go up to six players. And then along those lines, how can I, you know, where, where are they? So the collection, I look for games that can go to six and I can go for games that can do two. Cause I've been collecting a lot of games that are two player because it's just Don and I with Rebecca gone. And therefore I'm like, okay, what two player games can I get and add to the collection? Mm -hmm. But I ask you with the recent changes that have been going on, how has player count impacted you during this time? Have games become more limited? Yes, by far, because, you know, it, it seems like before all this went on, you and I were kind of getting into two-player games mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. it was easy for us to get together during lunch and play those, which I'm very thankful for now because you and I have a small little two-player library mm-hmm. that we can play with our wives. But there are some games like, I really want to play that, but a two-player count just makes no sense. There's one of the games that we're getting ready, we're going to talk about in this show, Musical Chairs, uh, that Vanessa and I, we played it. Uh, we mentioned that we played it with two players, but want to try it with three because I think we'd like it better with three. That's what I'm finding with some of these games when I play them. It's like, when the, especially when the count's like two to four or two to five, and the two is the low end, it always seems like we need more to really enjoy this game. So yeah, there are a lot of games that are sitting on the shelf going... There's really no need to try that until I can get you or somebody else at the table. Yes. Uh, one of my favorites, Raccoon Tycoon. That one's on the shelf. When the expansion arrives, until we can get together and have at least four, I'm not going to be willing mm-hmm. to pull it off the shelf because two players in a stock market game. That's no. No. You know? I mean, it's like it's like two, yeah, two players in a bidding game. That's horrible. Exactly. So why is it even on the box? I ask you, why do you put two players on the box for this? I don't know. Because there's some people who won't think it's horrible and will enjoy enjoy the two player, but it's just you and I are so used to having a group of typically four people sitting around and playing that we get all these games that are kind of made for that. Mm -hmm. Now we're in this position. It's like, well, it's, it's really just two player. Like I said, we've been fortunate to have some great two player games, but the thing is though, like one of our favorite two player games from last year, Watergate, Vanessa really doesn't have any interest in that. Undaunted. She didn't have any interest in that, which is why I pitched. Maybe you and I can play online. Mm -hmm. So there's these great two player games that even she is like, eh, it's, it's not really interested in. Yeah. uh, So playing, Sorry, I had to kill a spider there that was on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way with with Donna. I look at a lot of my two-player games, and I'm just like, like I've I've had one for two years that I'm dying to play. It's a card game. It's about collecting mushrooms. She doesn't like mushrooms, and she's like, why would I play that? I say, it doesn't have to do anything with the theme on it. It's about card mechanics. I want to try this out. Nah, I'm not really that interested in it. You have one called the Duke. I have the Viking version of it, Jarl. Yes. Okay. I thought she would at least give that a try. Yeah, Vanessa's not really into abstract games. Look 
at this. Oh, we got so much in common here. It's amazing. So what happens is you and I need to be quarantined together, and they could be quarantined together, and this will work out great. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me run that through my mind again. Hold on. Maybe not. No, I don't think so. Luckily for me, I have the Ticket to Ride two-player map, Switzerland, I believe. Oh, okay. yeah. So she enjoys that. But I also have the Age of Steam two-player map. There's no way I'm going to get that on the table. No way. Pandemic two-player. Ah. Two-player's okay in Pandemic. Terra Mystica, would you put that on the table? No way. No way. Anything that's a Euro that's meant for more than two players, I want to play with more. Thankfully, Vanessa actually sat down with me years ago and played Fields of Jarl. I don't know that she'll ever play it again, but I loved that game. A good medium weight Euro for two players only. It was so perfect. I picked that up on when it was discounted and it's still in shrink around here. Uh, it's a shame that uh, Donna won't play it because that is a, that's a good game. I think it's one of those things where you gotta, I've got to really know the rules. You know? Yeah. But then on the flip side of that, we've played games where we like, we're not going to push this player count. This is enough, you know, or maybe we had one too many. What's an example of that one? Uh, Wait, we did have some. Um, Oh, number one, as much as I love Ragusa, I don't want to play with five players anymore. One's too many for me. (laughs) Five players was just chaotic. Because there's not enough spaces on the board. It was just too much. I, th- I think we've ran into other games like that where either the it was space limited with that many people or it got too long with five people. Well, I think City of the Big Shoulders can go up to five. I wouldn't want to play with five. I honestly think three with City of the Big Shoulders is a good number. Railways of the World can go up to six. A game like Mari Nostrum that can go to six, Love. But could it play it too? I don't know. But then there's some games that ain't no way, like Game of Thrones. Mm. <laughs> it had that has to be five or six coming in to play something like that. Twilight, I mean, not that you'll play Twilight Imperium, but that's another one of those just low player counts not going to work. So yes, Tony, there are a lot of games on my shelf right now that I just skim right over real quick just because the player count I just know will not work. Yeah, I've got like Fireball Island and all these light games that I could play. I mean, Adrenaline's out there. I'm like, oh, that would be such a good game to play, but it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I'm just, you, you're right. You keep going over the shelves. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm glad I have a shelf of two-player games. A lot of them are yep. small games. Even... We played a rolling right the other night and it just, the options weren't there, you know? Yeah. I was like, eh, this kind of feels off. Yeah. It's almost like it has to be made for two player to really shine. You know, like uh, the Fox in the Forest duet mm-hmm. is a solid two player game. That's really good. Seven Wonders du- uh, is it duet. Duet. Seven Wonders duet. Yep. Mm-hmm. If a game is two player only, I'm very inclined to try it now. More so than picking up a game that's two to five and me playing the two-player version of that. So once again, you're learning a different aspect of the player count. Yep. And the challenges that designers, like our buddy Nate, have to do when they're setting player counts. It's so funny when you see these Kickstarters and they'll come out with, uh, like, the player count's three to five. And immediately the comments start rolling in, can we get a two-player version of it? The designer, if if it was meant to be two-player, he would have put a two-player version in. And then he'd say, okay, well, here's a two-player version of it. It's like, but you probably would have play-tested it with two players. I mean, you felt the number was three, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. And that's one of the things I was, you know, with this question, I was thinking, okay, what are they thinking from that standpoint? They know what's a good number. They know what they've play tested. They played with them all. They could, yes, yeah, scale it down or scale it up. But there is that. And that's what I love about BGG. Best with. You know, I look at that that stat a lot on, on BGG for a game. And if for those who don't know, like me, because I'm not sure what he's talking about, what is best with? Uh, best with player count. They'll tell you how many oh, players there are. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. I thought like best with this drink or best Ooh. with this food or best with this dessert. Well, I think maybe Chaz should add that in a field. <laughs> and that's best. a whole new game show. What uh, dessert is best served with this board game? And see if you can get it right. Uh, yeah. Best is best pie with pie town. There you go. Okay. I, I mean, it's one of those things. What best mushroom goes with morals? I think that's the name of it, M-O-R-E-L-S. So from that standpoint, I'm just like, okay. So I look at that stat a lot. I'm like, okay, is this a game that I really want to invest in? It's two to six, best with three. Who decides that? Do you know? Do you vote? No, I think you put it in your review with it. Don't you? Oh, you put it in your review, you'll say this is best with, okay, and then it takes like an average, I guess? I would think so, yes. I mean, let's take a look at it. Oh, so now you're just guessing. You're I'm shotgunning. I'm shotgunning. That's what I do best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else am I going to do? I mean, you know, I, uh, I don't know what else you want me to do here. Like, uh, <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> you're, you're asking me questions here. I'm looking at War of the Rings, second edition. The community says two. Best two, you know? Well, yeah, because it's basically a two-player game. Well, if you look at how many players do you recommend for this game, it's a question, and you get results. Kind of like a poll that we would do over at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Except this actually has value, and ours does not. This is absolutely right. Unless you want to know people's favorite color of pips on a dice. What the heck was that? Okay, in my defense, certain things stand out to you. And I was like, on a white dice, I mean, are there any other options? Obviously not. Everybody said black. Yes, black. Why Why so narrow? Why so focused right there? Because that's it, what shows up best, unless it's a dark dye with white pips. I agree that what somebody wrote in the comments, a black dye with white pips are the best dice of all. I agree with that statement. So let me ask you, pips or numbers? Oh, pips all the time. Yeah, same here. Yeah, numbers are just wrong. <laughs> Did you know the opposite sides of dye add up to seven? I had heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah there you go. So anyway... <laughs> that was my discussion on player count. It was a good discussion, Tony. Thank was you. it? That was, a, that was a great little discussion. Did you? Because here I am circling all the way back. <laughs> Bicycle Games sent me a copy of the Alpha and it plays three to six. Yep. I'm not going to be able to get on the table unless I put a stuffed teddy bear that I haven't burned in the fire from the coldest night and I pretend he's the third player. So in other words, that's the game that's just going to kind of sit on your shelf until we all can get together again once things get back to semi-normal, hopefully soon. Yes. So in order for all of us, all four of us to sit together and to maintain six feet apart, we would have to have a table that is, what, square area of 36? Uh, you, you're, you're throwing math at me, dude. I'm just It's too late for me to math that out. Six feet on each side? Yeah, so it has to be a six-by-six six table. And each of you has to sit on a corner. Yeah, I was going to say, the di- you'd have to be hovering a leg. Yeah, you'd have to be hovering a leg to stay six feet apart. And then you can't touch anything. That the other. So is there a board game out there, Tony, that doesn't require you to touch common pieces? 
There's a question for you. If everybody brings their own dice, Yahtzee. A roll and write, maybe, with their own dice. So, yes, that's one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we can go through a bunch. Probably a lot of people have. But, you know, all that measurement, and I put that in your head, I built a garbage corral. (laughs) My gosh. You did reload the double barrel, didn't you? The garbage corral was built. Okay. And you know how you think you got something square? Okay. So a garbage corral for people is a place where you could put your garbage, garbage cans. cans. And right. in, okay. in a haughty toddy neighborhood or a neighborhood with an HOA, you're required to not allow your garbage cans to be seen. Yes, correct. So, and it has to match your house, yada, yada, yada. So Donna finally said, you're going to do this because we had to, thanks to the virus, we had to get new 55-gallon bins so that the truck with the grabber claw could come in and go, whoom. And then toss, 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 toss the, the garbage into it so they didn't have to get out and touch anything. That's the sound. That's the sound. Oh, okay. That's the claw ground. So I had, now I got these two huge 55-gallon drums of um, garbage in my garage. And she says, you got to get these out of here. So I had to build one of these things. And you think you got things square mm-hmm. until you put that last piece of wood on. <laughs> And the poles are in cement, and I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> so what do you do? Yeah, make that one last piece of wood fit. <laughs> gotcha. And you adjust here and there, and it's just like, oh. And I, people who hang doors, my hat's off to you. I had to put doors. Oh, my God. Oh, hanging a door is horrible trying to square up a door. Oh. I don't know how people do it. Yeah, because if I was to ever hang a door myself, it basically, if it wasn't latched, it would just swing right open. There's no way that it would stay in one position. It would just open automatically by itself. Oh, that's funny. You know, before we get out of here, I do want to say that I, um, Tony, you talked about me being on with Chaz and Roy. I got to be on a podcast last week. This is a newer uh, podcast called board together games they had contacted me and they they're only like 16 episodes in it is a a great uh, bunch of people it's a, it's a trio uh who had me on talk about uh, several different uh, uh topics like i said they haven't been around too long and they were a lot of fun to hang out uh with and uh i'm going to be on i think it's probably already out by now by the time this episode comes out it's board b-o-a-r-d together games Dot com. If you want to go check them out, they're on iTunes and everything. and had a, a real good time with them. But Tony, they played a game that I thought was just a lot of fun. And I would love to us to play this type of game. Uh, I think it'd be fun with uh, the Scurry Report to play, where it's basically it's a 16-item tournament or 16-team tournament. Uh, like what we did was best dice games. Mm. And everybody came in and, and you got and you had a draft and you threw out what you thought was the best di- dice game. So it was a serpentine draft, like you know, like we do with our movie things. So somebody throws out a dice game and basically you go around and around until there's 16 games that are paired randomly. And then each of you vote. So then you would give a bracket, this versus this, and then people vote which should move on. And then you get all the way down to the champion. It's something very simple, but it's something that was really cool. I really enjoyed. I think that'd be fun with you, I, and Nate, and Mark to do sometime with some sort of topic or type of game or everything. And I asked permission, could we do that sometime? And I give them full credit. 
So I think that was, it was just a really fun experience, but I thought the four of us would have a blast fighting over these brackets. It's like fighting over who you think should win between two games or something like that. I don't know. It was, it was fun. Well, I'm glad it was fun and you had a good time and I'm glad I wasn't invited to this. Wow. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I got to come up with some, cause obviously I was excluded. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I'm okay Don't with worry. that. Here's the thing. Chaz probably wanted you on the show before me, but just didn't have your contact information because I like it was. I was the bottom of the barrel at that point. Okay. It was almost like if I asked you, I knew you'd come on. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. No, I'm just kidding. That's great that you were able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't done a rank them in a, a while since our... Um, hey, uh, uh, speaking of which, having people on, uh, we are going to be doing a tabletop showcase soon with isaac childress are we yes with okay. his new uh gloomhaven game that's going to be coming out in mass market at target i hear it's hot Frosthaven's hot on kickstarter right now like eight million nine million dollars but now he's going to have this easier to play version it's going to be in target and when we have him on tony because we never had him all we need to come out with a good rank for him okay that and i've got some time so we'll we'll start working on our rank right now go ahead and get them out there we'll have to do that yep or we can do like this show and just shotgun it and see what happens. <laughs> prepared? Who needs to be prepared? Just sit down and talk. It's not like we're doing anything else with our time. We could have done show notes. <laughs> just keep rolling dice. <laughs> you don't even try to segue anymore, do you? You don't even try to flow into it. You're just like... I'm done. Say the tagline and then I go and taking names. Thanks again for listening to the show. We got episode 200 coming up. We want to do something special. Tony and I don't know what that is, but hopefully it'll be worth listening to. So that's going to be coming up in a couple months. So make sure to go over to our guild at 1589 and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dyson Names. Tony, is that it? I hope so. Okay, you've been getting on me about my sound effects. How about this one? What was that? Uh, I assume that's the shotgun that you've been reloading this entire episode. That's right. Boom. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) The Broken Token has just announced a brand new rewards program called... Tony, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. The Broken Tokens reward program is Tokens of Appreciation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I bet there was a Zoom meeting to come up with that. <laughs> but that is good. So what this is, is anytime that you uh, buy things, you subscribe to their newsletters, or uh, you just join their rewards program, there are different ways to earn tokens. And after a certain number of tokens, you can turn those in uh, for rewards. Follow them on Twitter for 50 tokens, Facebook for 50 tokens, Instagram 50 tokens, seven tokens for every dollar spent. Review a product, you get 100 tokens. And for 500 tokens, you can turn those in for $5 off, 1000 is $10 off, and 2,500 tokens is a 2,500. Wow, 2,500, that'd be sweet. $25 off coupon. So to find out more about their program, go over to thebrokentoken.com, join their rewards program, and start earning tokens of appreciation today. Mm